Now it's a real joy to be back with you this evening. I wouldn't think I would be coming back quite so soon. But it's a joy to share God's word with you tonight. Please forgive me. I just uh, Somebody wants me to record my talk on a special wee machine here. So I'm not into all this technology, but I've been told to record this. So forgive me for doing that, will you, at the end of the day. But it's good to be with you. Let's just bow before God in prayer. Lord, this is your opportunity for your word to reach right into our hearts and to do something for eternity. And we give you thanks for the ministry of your word to us. And we ask you, Lord, that we might hear from heaven, and that you might be able to speak to the Church of Christ as the Holy Spirit would direct. We give you thanks that you're never a disappointment to us. Your mercies are new every morning, and great is your faithfulness. So help us tonight. To hear from you, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me read from Psalm 46. Let me look at a, a psalm this evening. We're looking at studying this psalm for the last uh, few days. And let's just look at this psalm together. Psalm 46, and I'm reading from the NIV version. Psalm 46 in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar and kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. I'm sure God will bless to us this precious psalm to each one of our hearts. I don't think I know many people, many Christians, who have not received this psalm or maybe part of it as a word from God in a time of difficulty or trouble. Some people have a, a plaque on the wall and maybe have these words, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. It's interesting that it's believed that Martin Luther was inspired by this psalm to write his famous hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. You may be interested to know as well that Remember 9-11, can you understand or can you remember where you were? 9-11, September 2001, when the tower, Twin Towers collapsed. We were just getting packed up at Peebles to go away and minister down in London. But you know this, the ministers had to go into their pulpits two days later on the 13th of September. And what do you say to the congregation? What do you say to a nation in mourning because of all that happened there in New York, in Manhattan? And many of them chose Psalm 46, where it says there in verses 2 and 3, 
Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar in the foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. I don't think we need to explain why this psalm is such a comfort and help to a nation in mourning. This is a psalm for experiencing, those experiencing radical change in their lives. It's like the earth moving from under your feet. Old certainties have, have been replaced with new situations. A radical change has taken place in your life. That's the kind of background here. And there's a bold assertion being made in this psalm. And the bold assertion is this, that God is stable when all else is not. God holds on. He's a rock-like support for us. And these new change circumstances, he's still the same God when things are radically different as he was when life seemed to be trouble-free. Many people in our society are having to come to terms with radical change. For some people there's been downsizing and, and somebody has said to them, you're going to be unemployed. We no longer need your service. Sometimes there's the reality that a long stable relationship has begun to fray and tear and unexpectedly comes apart. For some they are facing the reality that the indestructible body is letting them down. And they're having to cope with new limitations. For some the test comes back positive. The lump is malignant. The artery is blocked. Others are having to cope with the emptiness syndrome. The, the young people are going off from home now to university and, and the whole routine is going to be different. And other people are having to cope with loss in their own home and family. And all these can be like the earth moving from under your feet, the mountains shaking, the seas roaring. And we can see how this psalm would bring comfort to millions of believers. But the psalm is really saying to us, there is a place of refuge. There's a place to which you can go. And the place of refuge in the Old Testament, you remember God has set these cities of refuge. That was the place you could run to in times of trouble. That's the place you could be secure while things were getting sorted out. And it seems that this song here that the psalmist writes is just the right psalm there, the right comfort for an, a song of assurance, a chorus of confidence. And I would be surprised if there was no one here that said, I could do with a song like that. A song of confidence. I could do with a chorus of assurance. I could do with a word from the Lord for the times of difficulty that I face. And what we find here that this psalm is the place where we can learn to move from faith to fearlessness. It moves us on. It tells us we've got nothing to fear from yesterday. There's nothing to fear about today. There's nothing to fear about tomorrow. God is our refuge and strength. Our ever-present help in trouble. And therefore it says in the psalm in verse 2, We will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Why is this psalm then such a help to so many people? I believe it because there are three wonderful truths about God here that are so precious to us. 
One is God's sufficiency, and the second is His security, and the third His supremacy. Let me just mention briefly something about each of these. Think of the sufficiency of God. This psalm is about God and God only. Not about God and someone else like man's power. Not about God and something else that we can bring into the equation. It's really saying that only God can be the true refuge. Only Him can give us the true strength that we need and the true deliverance that we need. Only God can do it. And it makes the bold assertion that for these earth-removing experiences for us, you don't need to look any further. You don't need to look any further. And it seems to me that this psalm has been written by those who seem to know of the sufficiency of God by experience. It's written by those who have been there and got the t-shirt. And it seems to have experienced a radical change and no other God can meet the need. The God of materialism can't meet the need. The God of money won't meet the need. The God of fame won't meet the need. Only the God of the ever-present help. We don't need to ask God, we don't need to seek God to find out if he's concerned about our particular trouble or our particular need. He's already on the case. He's on your case. He's on mine. He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. The Amplified Bible puts it this way, a very present and well-proved help in trouble. One writer has put it this way, when you have nothing left but God, then you become aware that God is enough. When you have nothing left but God, you become aware that God is enough. Someone once asked a young boy, do you know the difference between sufficiency and enough? He says, yes I do. He says, when my mother cuts me a piece of cake, that's sufficient. When I cut a piece of cake for myself, that's enough. With God, his sufficiency is enough. The ever-present help. And we find something else in this psalm. Not only does it speak to us of the sufficiency of God, it speaks to us of the security of God. Notice how the psalm moves from the, the violence and the turbulence of verses 2 and 3 to the peaceful tranquility of a quiet stream in verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall, or we could say she will not be moved. God will help her at break of day. Perhaps you know that in the ancient times or the biblical times, many cities had rivers running through the centre of them. That wasn't true about Jerusalem. Except in the times of Hezekiah, he built a tunnel, an aqueduct, that the water might be able to flow through in times of battle and the people would not be deprived of their thirst of their water. But perhaps the psalmist is saying to us here, look, the Lord is the sole refreshing stream of the city of God. The Lord is her river of life. He is the fount of blessing. And the Lord is that river that dwells within the heart of the city. And some have seen the reference here in the river to even the word of God. The river speaks of the supply and refreshment that God gives you and me even today. And that river is the word of God. Remember Psalm 1 
We were told that the blessed man was planted by the rivers of water, which is the word of God. And the, the scriptures keep telling us about the river of God. It talks about the river coming from the house of God in Ezekiel 47. And then John in Revelation 22.1 says, A pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God. I love the chorus of that old term. And there's two versions to it, I think. The version that I have known is, There is a river that flows from God above. There is a fountain that's filled with God's great love. Come to the waters. There's a vast supply. There is a river that never shall run dry. And because the Lord dwells in that city and, and because God is within it, there's no reason to fear. And there's no reason to fall. There's no reason to be moved. And if that's true of the ancient temple of Jerusalem, it's surely true of this temple of ours, our bodies, where God is pleased to dwell by his spirit when Christ comes to live in our hearts. He indwells us in that person. And this is God moving us from faith to fearlessness. This is God moving us from waywardness to a rock-like stability. We shall not be moved. It's a great message in this psalm. And it's, con it's confirmed there in verse 7. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The security of God. And then finally let me say a word about the supremacy of God. You'll see it there in verses 8 and 9. Come and see the works of the Lord and the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And here are these closing verses. He's not only powerful in Zion. This God is so powerful in the world. And here we get what's called a, an end time perspective on things. It's the Lord who disarms the nations. It's the Lord who finally makes wars to cease and, and breaks the bow and shatters the spear. Who finally disarms the oppressor. This is one of these psalms that sometimes read at a remembrance service. But seldom at these services is it connected with the second coming of the Lord Jesus. When these words are read at a remembrance service, seldom do we get the message over that the Prince of Peace is coming to establish lasting peace. And perhaps one of the great problems today, we're not giving people an end time perspective on things. We need to hear again and again, Jesus is coming back, isn't he? Hallelujah. And he will quieten the nations. He will bring these wars to cease. And what's so thrilling about this psalm is that such an announcement of the supremacy of the Lord over the nations comes in the first person in verse 10. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. One day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And now's the time to get to know Jesus. Not then, when it'll be too late, when we stand before the Lord as our judge. And here's this Lord of Lords and the Lord of the Church and the Lord of Zion, the Lord of Heaven and Earth, who will exalt himself. His kingdom shall endure forever and ever. Will somebody tell the world the good news? Will somebody tell those who feel that the earth is moving from under their feet the good news? Will somebody tell those who are sorrowing and mourning, tell them the good news? And what is the good news? We've read the last chapter in Jesus' witness. Hallelujah. Jesus wins at the end.
the sufficiency of God, the security of God, the supremacy of God. And if the Lord comes and in the first person to the nations and said, I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth, he also comes in the first person and says, Be still and know that I am God. Commentators differ as to who is being addressed in these words, Be still and know that I am God. Some of the old commentators like Matthew Henry believe that it speaks to the enemies of Israel. Others believe the words are spoken to the nation of Israel. But I think all of us agree that these words are powerful to each one of our hearts. They speak to us all. What does it mean to be still? In one translation the words be still are dropped. And instead of be still we find the word cease striving. In other translations it's be quiet or stand still. The Hebrew term actually means to relax. Quit racing around. God is in full control. So let him handle your situation. Let him handle that situation. Does that mean that we do nothing? I don't think so. I think it has something to do with entering into that rest that Hebrews 4 talks about. The rest that God has. The Sabbath rest for the people of God. Be still and know that I am God. With the knowledge of this blessed truth, we can find some degree of calm in the midst of trouble. There are storms blowing outside today. We're living in a wicked world and, and tremendous changes are taking place. There's even convulsions in nature itself. And he tells us to be still in the midst of the storm. Christ, you remember, was on that boat with the disciples do you remember the storm blew up and Christ was asleep in the boat? And they woke him up and said, Master, Master, don't you care that we perish? And one commentator says that Jesus had more difficulty in calming the disciples than he had in calming the storm. That's true about your life and mine sometimes. We're still learning what it means to wait patiently for the Lord. Here's a great verse from an old hymn. The old hymn is this one. Be still my soul. I've modernized the language a wee bit. Here's the verse. Be still my soul. Your God does undertake to guide the future as he has the past. Your hope, your confidence let nothing shake. All now mysterious shall be bright at last. Be still my soul. The winds and waves still know his voice. who ruled them while he dwelt below. Be still my soul. What kind of response then comes from this psalm? Let's expect you from this psalm as we think of these verses about the ever-present God. The presence of God is all through this psalm. And verse 1, the ever-present help in trouble. And later on in this psalm, he is the God who indwells his temple. He is within the city of God. And the Lord Almighty, the God of Jacob, is with us. That's in verse 7 and also repeated in verse 11. What's the response that we need to bring from our lives? Can we say, as in verse 2, we will not be afraid. We will not fear. Can we say, as implied in verse 5, we will not fall, we will not be moved. And can we say, as in verse 10, we will not strive. We will be still and we will know that he is God. As he reveals himself to us as the ever-present help in time of trouble. We will not be will not be afraid, we will not fall or be moved, and we will not strive, because God has revealed himself to us.
as the one who is the ever-present help in time of trouble. Let's bow before God in prayer. Loving God, we thank you for this psalm that really speaks into those troublesome situations that we face. It's a psalm for people who have undergone a radical change. It's a psalm for all of us, Lord, who feel a friend, who feel perhaps they are slipping from the faith, who feel just that need of your comfort and strength. And we thank you, Lord, we don't have to seek you out to find if you're concerned about our needs. You're already on the case. And we praise you for that. And we pray that you'll continue to be with us through the rest of the service as we give you the praise and the glory for all that you've revealed to us of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross that we might be saved. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.